What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act, Act podcast, podcast, leveling up your life's journey. Michael Newborn, one of the hosts of the show, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Ballinger. How's life hey, treating you today, John? It's good, Michael. How you doing, sir? I am doing amazing today. Um, in this episode, we'll discuss how life's journey creates opportunities for people to constantly reinvent themselves, allowing them to grow and evolve into the people they've always wanted to become. We'll talk about transitioning into new roles, new companies, new industries, even transitioning into parenthood. We'll also talk about what makes these transitions so challenging and exciting, as well as the power of taking control of your destiny. And we'll wrap up an awesome closing segment on the things we learned and are still learning about ourselves. Does that sound like a, a good set of topics, John? Yeah, man. That, <laughs> it sounds great. I'm excited to jump in. And man, I know that uh, you have a ton of experience. Uh, I've got some experience. Um, I'm living out the transition as we speak. Uh, from one career into the next. And, and I think uh, you actually have um, a big career change as well. I do. It's true. Um, I'll, I'll let you tell your story first okay. a little bit, and then I'll jump into mine. But uh, I'm sure both are going to be really interesting for the audience. And I'll probably start from the beginning, uh, just how I got into the space I'm in, uh, happenstance, and then uh, and then you know tell everybody where where I'm at yeah. today. So why don't you why don't you tell everyone about your journey, John? Some of the things you're you're going through right now. Yeah, Michael. Um, you know, I, I was born and raised in in a town, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thought that that was going to be the place that I lived my life, um, and really. Uh, it's interesting how things have, have gone full circle, but got out of college and joined the Marine Corps, spent 20 years in the Marine Corps traveling around, experiencing new places to live and new styles and, and growing my family and felt again, once again, very comfortable. Um, you know, first I was comfortable in the city that I was in and second, I got comfortable in this career and then ended up just completely walking away. Um, now walking away doesn't sound as peril perilous when you talk, you know, when you mentioned that I've got a retirement and I did 20 years as an aviator and, you know, have some cushion, but definitely just cold Turkey walked away and decided to start something, uh, from scratch. And that's, you know, growing in my entrepreneurial roles. And so it was definitely um, a transition where one day I'm in uniform, the next day I am completely out trying to figure out what what the drive, what the purpose, what the passion is. Um, and so that's, I think, what encouraged me to, to meet with you um, where we got to talk this transition thing out together. So it's been, you know, it's been a year now almost. And man, still today, I, I still have some questions, still have some 
things that I'm trying to figure out and definitely don't feel like I'm put together, but it's pretty fun. It's pretty freaking amazing to, uh, to walk away with some, you know, from something so comfortable to, uh, something that is day to day evolving and, and just getting to see where that leads you and who that connects you with. And so, like I said, pretty, pretty fun. You're in the, you're in what they call the growth zone. I've, uh, I've, I learned about that, uh, at the Buffalo Leadership Academy earlier this year with some incredible group of people, um, talking about overcoming adversity and just forging through, uh, to new things. And, um, when you're put yourself in an uncomfortable yeah. position like that, uh, that's where you really learn to grow. But you went out on a high note in your, in your military career. Why don't you just share real quickly with the audience what, uh, what you have the uh, well, privilege to do? You know, I, I was an aviator. I was a helicopter pilot in the Marine Corps. Um, that was my trade. And for the first 15 years of my career, I got to fly, you know, had the esteemed privilege of flying Marines in and out of combat and, and wherever they needed to go. But um, the last five years were truly a blessing. Um, I was named as one of the pilots to join the Presidential Helicopter Squadron. And then fortunate enough, the last two years to be named as a Marine One pilot, which is a, a handful of guys that are selected to be exclusively uh, in charge of the aircraft when the president's on board. And so had the ability to to fly for President Trump for four years and fly for Biden for the last year of my career, first year of his presidency. And it just really opened my eyes to, you know, the ability for an ordinary Marine, you know, and nothing, you know, crazy, nothing uh, abnormal about me, but take an ordinary Marine and you put them in, um, you know, an extraordinary mission and we're still able to be entrusted and we're still required to get the job done. And so I, I feel very honored to have that in my resume, but it also, like I said, opened, opened up doors, but it also opened my eyes to the fact that everybody has a problem. Everybody's got issues that they're trying to solve that day. And there's just people in and around our lives that can help us out and, um, help us, help us grow. And so that's what I'm trying to capitalize on. Yeah. And, you know, I know you've surrounded yourself with some good people, some of which are mutual friends yeah. of ours and who actually introduced us. And I think it's the people you surround yourself with that, that help you get uh, to that, that next leg of your journey, the the second act. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? Yeah. So um, I've been fortunate to work with myself, some incredible people amazing companies over the last 18 years and have just learned a tremendous amount from investors, clients, colleagues, friends, and of course, family who have helped shape who I am today. I got into the tech industry happenstance. Uh, I was actually in the financial services industry just coming out of college and happened to be home uh, one day and a recruiter called the house looking for my wife because she was in the field of accounting and was calling about an opportunity for her. And I said she wasn't home and good on the recruiter. He started to probe me and pitch me and ask me what I did. And he's like, well, I'm, I might have something for you. 
And because I was in financial services, I knew a little bit about investing. Uh, there was an opportunity with a tech company for a role, which now today people call sort of like a customer success type of role, uh, working with investment accounting software for uh, insurance companies around the world. And that was, that was my bridge into the tech industry. And 18 years later, uh, I found myself working for one of these tech unicorns backed by all the best investors in the world uh, in a position to uh, lead a group of product managers. And it's just, I pinch myself sometimes thinking like, how in the world did I get here? Um, but in the, in the world in which I work tech, it's not uncommon for uh, roles to change and, uh, and for people to change companies every two to three years, sometimes even more frequently. I'm on year four, um, and as of September 1st, I'll be on my second act. <laughs> and I don't have... Welcome. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I don't have anything immediately lined up. Uh, I wanted to leave it as sort of a greenfield opportunity, be very intentional about what I want to do. And one thing you learn as you age is you just become very self-aware of the things that are important to you, your values, the people you want to surround yourself with, yeah, um, and what you want to do in life. So, well, it's interesting you 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 say that as you age. You know, I hit forty years old a couple of years ago, and I had this revelation moment when I was sitting in my house with a guy. We're you know having after dinner drinks, and he was talking to my two sons who were a captive audience at the time. And, and I saw him pouring into my boys in ways that I, I just really appreciated him. And he was talking to him about guns and, and hunting and these things that maybe not hadn't come out of, you know, come from my, my background, but here he had this captive audience and my two boys. And I started realizing um, how responsible I am for, the audience that my boys have and, and the people that they're in front of and how I'm responsible for that. And I'm, you know, if I in, put them into a position where they're uncomfortable, that's on me. But if I enrich their lives by filling it, it up with people that can, you know, give them uh, strength and confidence and courage, you know, that's, that's truly a responsibility that I hold tight. So you know, talking about, you know, growing and, and being responsible for the people that are around you and, and who you uh, are encouraged by. I mean, that's, that, that's a topic that I think I, I, I truly understand. Yeah. I, uh, I'm the same way. I am very, uh, appreciative of, my ability to surround myself with people that I want to and, and put my son in situations, my family in situations where, um, you know, everyone's learning from each other, growing yeah. with each other. And, and hopefully I'm passing on all the, all the lessons I want and that he's retaining that he's, he's still on the younger side, but, um, you know, you, you try as a, as a parent to, uh, repeat all the good things you learned, uh, from your, your parents and their friends and, and their colleagues growing up and, and not take with you all the things that, uh, 
weren't so good. And now yeah. I'm trying to impart the same sort of things on, on my family. Yeah, man, I know it's, and it's a heavy burden. Uh, but, you know, I think we, you know, it's that farmer mentality I've talked to you about before is, is planting those seeds, watering the seeds, taking, you know, helping them cultivate. And one day you, that's when you determine, uh, how successful you are is when that harvest comes in. And that could be, that could be a season. It could be a couple of years with our, you know, our kids. It could be, you know, 18 years to a lifetime before you realize if you were successful or not, but it's just the, you just keep, you just keep giving and giving and, and hoping that, you know, hoping and praying that it works out and it, and it's something that really provides fruitful. Yeah. And we're all just doing the best we can with what we know. Right. And, um, it's, uh, one thing they don't tell you before you become a parent is there's not, there's not a playbook you follow and, uh, yeah. and how to manage that transition from being single to becoming a couple to becoming a family. There's not this perfect playbook to follow. It's a trial and error the whole way. Uh, and everybody makes mistakes and has to face some sort of adversity in that process. But uh, it's the mental fortitude that people have to overcome that adversity. And uh, and again, coming back to having the right network around you, network of people yeah. to, to help support that process. Yeah. You, you, you know, you say trial and error. And, you know, the key part of that is try, you know, you have to try, you have to get out and try, you know, with kids, you don't get a practice run, you know, with this transition that I'm in and you're (laughs) about to jump into, um, you don't get this period of time where you can kind of feel it out. It's really a, a cut, you know, a, a, a cliff. And you have to start doing something immediately after. And you can sit around and try try to figure it out and try to, you know, negate all the issues that you may run into. But at some point, you've got to put your feet to the fire and you got to start going. Um, yeah. And that's what I've learned in this transition is you have this ability to really start something fresh and start something new, but you got to start. And it, it, it fears what keeps a lot of people from starting. So um, I yeah. encourage you as you get in this new transition, just, just go for it. And if you make a mistake, Hey, great. Adapt from that. Yeah. I, I, this is, this is maybe one of the, the bigger transitions. You know, I've switched companies four times, gone from, a very large 13,000 person organization down to a 70 person organization down to a 45 person organization, um, experiencing all those different transitions and nuances and, uh, and risks, um, as well as opportunities that come with each one, um, as well as, uh, the roles that come with each of those companies. And like you said, it's just, it's just getting started. Uh, the famous quote, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And, uh, I think once you, once you commit to something, um, if, if you've got the mental fortitude to just persevere and go through it and and get to the other side, it may not be exactly what you expect it to be, but you're going to look back and be proud of where you landed. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, so I guess what, what makes, in your opinion, what makes all these transitions so challenging, sometimes exciting at the same time? Well, you know, exciting and challenging, you know, can be the same emotion. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, Really, it's taking a new set of risks, a new set of parameters. It's starting something that you don't have all the information um, before you start out. And, and yeah. that's really, that's, that's a lot of life, right? If we sit and try to mitigate all the risk before we do something, we'll never get going. You know, you think about, you know, for me, being a Marine Corps aviator, Risk management is, you know, it, it's required. We have to mitigate that risk down to uh, the lowest level. But at some point, we do have to accept some risk. Um, if, we, if we fly and we, you know, we're not able to, to cut out all the things that we may encounter. But at some point, we have to trust in our training. We have to trust in our planning. We have to trust in our co-pilots and our crew, and we've got to go. You know, you think about jumping in a car to go to, uh, to, you know, to Trader Joe's. You can't mitigate all the risk. You still have to get in a car. You still have to drive facing other traffic and, and keep going and, and trust in the other drivers and trust that your car's not going to stall out halfway there. But we accept that risk every day. So, when we get going with a new career or something, you know, that we haven't done before, you mitigate the risk down to a level that you feel comfortable and then you just go. And sometimes that risk may be a lot, lot bigger. And sometimes that information be, may be a lot smaller, but we have to at some point make a decision. And that's yeah. what I was getting at for that try part is, you know, what stalls out a lot of people is they, what if their decision to death? Yeah. And they think, what if I don't, you know, make money at first? Or what if I make a wrong decision? Or what <laughs> if I, you know, can't do this thing? Well, then they're going to stay back in fear and stay inactive. But at some point they have to say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to make this risk. I'm going to take the, make the decision. And then I'm going to adjust from there like we've talked about kind of the OODA loop, yeah. you know, orient, observe, decide and act. So. Yeah. I, I learned a lot in that process when, when we worked together and, and the exercises that we went through, I found it tremendously helpful. Um, and I know personally when I've gotten to the point where I maybe feel like I've analyzed this enough or uh, enough, and maybe I've started to overanalyze things I, I mentally tell myself, fuck it and just go. Uh, I, I mean, those are, those are the words that I tell yeah. myself. Yep. And it's so interesting how in human nature, we, we over index to like the what if negative scenarios instead of the what if positive scenarios. Yeah. And I, I think just, I inherently am an optimistic person. I, I like to see the potential and opportunity of something. Um, and then when the bad things come up, you just got to sort of focus on getting through that bad thing. Uh, yep. and then once you get to the other side, it's, it's back to, back to business as usual or, or what you're trying to do. 
Um, and one of the things I know for sure about transitions in life, uh, it, it never goes quite as expected for anybody. <laughs> um, sometimes things turn out better. Sometimes things turn out worse. But uh, the whole process uh, is is a learning process. And if anybody's ever read the book, The Alchemist, um, the, the really interesting lesson in that is uh, it's about the journey, not the destination. Well, you, you throw a book out there. I've got a, I've got a counter and throw a book right back at you. Uh, Outliers is a great one by Malcolm Gladwell, yep. where he talks about, you know, he talks about the Beatles, talks about Bill Gates, you know, these two big successes that when they pop on the scene, everybody thinks, oh my gosh, these guys are brilliant. Oh, you know, pure prodigies. How did they get so well, you know, get to where they are? Well, what he talks about in his book is the the power of 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours of sitting in your craft doing what you have to do to get good. You know, the Beatles played in basements and underground bars out, you know, throughout England um, for, I don't know, I think it was 10 years or something before they even became the Beatles. But, you know, as people know them today, just playing and just getting comfortable in front of, in front of a crowd uh, Bill Gates, his dad worked at, I think, Michigan State at a place where there was only one, one of two supercomputers at the time that you could program. And his dad taught a class where it allowed students to come in and do their own programming. And, and Bill found out that in the evenings, students weren't using the time. So he would ask his dad if he could get in there and, and program. And so for hours and hours and years he is programming when no one else is one has the capability or 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 the ability to do that because they just don't have the computer in front of them and he has this open door and that repetitive time and that process for both Beatles and Bill Gates made them who they are today and who they became you know and just like this podcast I mean this this is our first one and it's going to suck because everything suck. sucks the first time you do it. And sometimes the 50th time you do it, it sucks. And then the hundredth time. But at some point you crest over that peak and everything starts clicking. Everything starts flowing the way it it you wanted it to day one, but it just took you uh, 10,000 hours, hopefully not for us, 10,000 podcasts, but, um, you know, it, it is a thing where you just start and you put in the time and you refine and craft and get better. And you're not going to have it all figured out, but it's, but it's the process again of starting. Yeah. And you know, I'm a fan of doing something you suck at. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's a, it's, it's, a handful of words that if you tell yourself that it it puts you at ease with the outcome because if you're already sort of mentally prepared for something to suck that you're going to suck at it yeah then if it does actually suck or you do actually suck at it it's okay that was that was the expectation but 
uh, it's unlikely that's going to be the case. There's going to be something that is going to benefit from that process. And it's going to turn yeah. out better than, than you probably imagined. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you talk, I feel, and this is probably a very big stretch uh, to compare myself to Michael Jordan in this sense, but Michael Jordan left basketball after three championships. He, he came back, but he left after three championships. What did he go do? He went and played baseball. And people were like, dude, you yeah. are horrible. Well, he hasn't played baseball in, you know, he hadn't played in 20 years or, you know, since he was in junior high and high school. Yeah. But they compared his greatness that he had just left in basketball and they were expecting him to come out with the same tenacity and the same ability and the same, you know, just uh, ability in baseball, but it just didn't happen. But he stayed after it. I mean, it was short lived, but he stayed after it and he kept working on it. And he even admitted, yeah, this was a, just a dream. I just wanted to get back and try it again. Well, I left what I felt like was the top of my career flying for, uh, you know, a couple, you know, two presidencies. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I have got to transition into something that's even more spectacular. I've got to do it. The next thing that I do has got to be on this same level or, or better. Uh, reality is, man, day one, I got away from the Marine Corps and I was like, holy cow, I suck at the, I suck at this. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, started a commercial real estate development company. I started coaching. I started doing a couple things and I'm like, oh my gosh, and all these things, um, I'm not good. But it's the effort that I put into it that's continuing to evolve the process and mold me into who I am and give me hope and courage that this, the period of sucking is, is hopefully transitioning into a period of, you know, somewhat being successful and, and being good again at whatever I put my hand to. Yeah. And it's the ultimate equalizer. And if anybody is trying something new for the first time it, with the it, very rare exceptions. Everyone sucks at, yeah. some, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and I was recently reading a, a blog by Tim Ferriss, and it was really interesting. The title of it is Fear Setting. And he's talking about every month he uh, goes through this exercise of fear setting and thinks about the, the possibilities to the downside and yeah. the possibilities and really the probabilities to the upside of where new things can take him. And you know, you, you and I have talked, we're both huge fans of Michael Jordan, MJ, and uh, if you haven't watched The Last Dance, it's one of the greatest docu-series awesome. ever. So um, and in that period you talk about with baseball, uh, if, you, if you look at him transition out of basketball and into baseball for 18 months, he, he works really hard. He's not... Uh, at the level of the other minor league or major league players, um, but he just is very content or even joyous just going through that process, trying something new, um, and he he has enough confidence in the skills that he's built that 
he knows if this doesn't work out, there's there's probably other options to pursue. Yeah. Which of course he he went back and won another three three championships. <laughs> so there's only there's only one MJ, but yeah. um, we can all aspire to be some version of MJ. Um, I recognize that was a huge stretch to 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 put myself <laughs> in in that comparison, but I I I felt like it was there, so. I went for you got, it. You got to go for it. I, I put you in. I put you in the same circle as MJ, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's something powerful, right, about taking control of destiny and being the driving force of of that change. You just feel like you're in control of where you're going, and it, you don't necessarily know the exact route, um, but it is empowering. And if if you've set yourself up to sort of navigate that in, in different ways. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna enjoy that journey with the people around you. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want you to talk about this, this new transition of yours because you here have been doing tech for 18 years. Yeah. Right. And it's, I mean, we were focused for the first half of this year on, you know, my transition, but here you are, you are in the thick of it, man. It's, it's new and it's fresh. And all these concerns that I had months ago, I think are probably well enough in you. Right. So what, what gets you up and out of bed and going and striving for something new as you encounter a new period of your life? Yeah, I, working with you, going through some of the the process with the Buddha Loop and some of the exercises we went through um, for some of the coaching we did together earlier in the year, I learned a lot about myself. Um, a, I learned to respect some of the accomplishments I've made. I, I, I yeah. I'm kind of a humble person, and I, I I don't like to talk about myself too much or really pat myself on the back but i was like man all right you've done a couple things it's kind of cool um and again coming back to just as you age you you become very self-aware of of things that are important and not important to you and and the companies that i've worked for and i know when i transitioned from a thirteen thousand person company to a 70 person company um you the skills you bring and what you contribute in that environment at a much smaller company, you feel the impact. There's tangibility to what you're doing, um, which I really enjoy. You build amazing connection with the people who are around you and who are counting on you uh, to help the company succeed. And then I did that again at another small company, even smaller, almost half the size, 40, 50-ish people. Um, And you... I remember calling some friends and I was like, man, we just did this thing and it is like helped change the trajectory of the company. It's awesome. Like I've never had this feeling before. It's amazing. And there were moments where things felt like they were going to go off the rails. I mean, it's a high risk, high reward type of environment when you're at a company of that size. Uh, And then at the, when I joined this tech unicorn, um, we were, the, we're on the data side of the business, and we were sort of like a startup inside of a startup. It was really small, but um, it was hundreds of people if you include 
the parent company, and now we've grown to something like 1,400 people. Um, and so you're still making an impact, but yeah. you're definitely part of a, a bigger system. And I, I know that what drives me, what, what I'm passionate about is, is having the ability to see, feel, touch, and drive those, those changes um, in a very tangible way. And I, I just think it's that point in time where um, I've, I'm privileged uh, to have worked with such amazing people and worked for a company like this that has given me the opportunity to just, hey, let's, let's part ways as friends. Yeah. I really feel like we've accomplished a lot together. And let me, at this point, you know, try to do something that really excites me. And the, some of the, the messages I've gotten from people uh, have just been very touching, almost bringing me to tears. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty powerful when you leave that behind. Do you know what that is? Do you know what you're going to pursue next? I don't. Uh, you know, when you're... <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. Um, it's, yeah. the first, it's the first time in 18 years, actually since I've gotten out of college, where I've I've not had something already lined up and only taken a weekend off between jobs. Right. Uh, it's a long stretch. Um, and I want to rebalance. I want to be present with my family. My son's starting up school again. Um, and I really want to be intentional about what I'm going to do next. And it could be something in tech again. Uh, it could be something on my own. I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit and mindset. I've just never found that thing. But recently I was reading something about a, what another entrepreneur had said. And it's, it's like, if you're searching for that thing before you become an entrepreneur, you're, you're probably not going to find it. You just got to start doing stuff. And then yeah. it sort of, it, it finds you Shoot. basically. Man, that, that hits home. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as my, as my day got closer to getting out of the Marine Corps, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, I've got 60 days, 45 days, 30 days. I've got to figure this out. Um, and, and day one was like tomorrow and I got out and I was like, I never figured out what I was going to do. I feel so unprepared. And so it was this tug of war of like, should I have gotten out? when I did, or should I have bit, should I have had it more figured out and then gotten out? Right. So do you have the answer before you start or do you start and then figure out the answer? And for me, I thought it was, I got to have this thing figured out. Marine Corps ends, entrepreneurship starts, and I am sitting here, you know, looking at a blank sheet of paper, trying to write a book and thinking, okay, where do I start? Um, what, you know, what's the title of this thing even called, uh, this second act, right? What do yeah. if people would say, Oh, you know, great. You were successful at being a pilot. What are you gonna do? Go fly. And I said, no, nah, I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm going to do something else. And they're like, Oh, what? I'm like, well, uh, I, I, I don't know yet. I'm going to figure it out. And, and it was interesting to see the majority of people who, we're like, wow, that, that takes some guts or, you know, yep. good job. Like, hope it works out. <laughs> and 
Then there were a few, a very select few, that would say things like, man, that's exciting, awesome, enjoy this time, you are going to crush it, like just do what excites you, you know, so it was weird to see this, this imbalance, you know, and I just, you know, what you just said is, you know, you just got to figure it out, and, and almost it's, um, you know, the analogy I have is, um, you know, in college, we came back from spring break, right, and pre-spring break, you knew that a lot of assignments were going to be due the day you got back or the day after you got back. But you're, you're so focused on spring break and getting out and going to the beach or going snowboarding, you know, and you're like, oh, screw it. We'll just do it later. But then you come back and it's the night before the assignments are due. Are due. What do you do? You cram. Yeah. And some of my best work has come from cramming because I had no other option. I just had to sit down and do it. I couldn't think. Um, I just had to get it done. And and I think that's where I came back to with my leaving the Marine Corps and going into entrepreneurship. I just had to do it. I had to be in the moment. I couldn't. The, the time for having it planned out was done. It was over with. I was now in the moment where I just had to do. And you are in that place now where you just have to do. You know, we, we've had some time to plan and prep and we kind of scripted that out, but now it's here. And so now it's take the knowledge that you have. You've mitigated the risk down to the lowest level. Now you just got to go and do. Yeah. And, and just to touch on something you said there, you, when, <laughs> when you have no other option, you, you have to make it work and you figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Um, and I'll just end on something that I, I think you and I share intimately. It's like having a, a really strong family and family values and strong partner um, Absolutely. is critical to 100%. being able to persevere through situations like this. And you can have good conversations and have the support you needed inside your house um, and without that, it would be harder for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's something to having a spouse who has your back and is allowing you to figure it out in real time. Um, and, and we're both blessed to have that. Now I, I will admit I am very lucky and I, I don't know a lot of men that have that, but it's, it's huge. It's huge to allowing you to grow and expand and, um, and be encouraged at the same time. Um, man, having that support structure, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a coach, um, you know, somebody that's going to see your faults, see where you, um, are, are really struggling to start something anew, but encourage you, hey, embrace that struggle, embrace this point of your, of the process, because this is where, you know, this is where the, the, the magic really happens. Um, and we're lucky enough to have that in in our, in our spouses, but I also full wholeheartedly believe in, in getting a coach that can help 
bring those strengths out of you as well and, and make you think uncomfortably and allow you to sit in that silence to figure out yeah. what it is that you want to truly do. Yeah, having that that circle of trusted individuals, family, yeah. friends, colleagues, even some acquaintances as mentors, uh, things like that, coaches, is um, that's one of the pieces that I think are critically important to that journey. And they, you know, they've got your back. They've got your back in that process. Yep. All right. Man. What an amazing discussion today, John. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited that we have to, to walk this out together over the next uh, six episodes now, and yep. I am excited to see also where we go um, from episode one to episode seven. And uh, man, tons of tons of things to talk about, tons of things to discover. Uh, encourage one another with and encourage, you know, everybody that's able to join in and listen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for this opportunity to work with you like this, John. I'm, I'm so happy we've become friends and I've really enjoyed listening and learning from your story. I hope the audience will too. Yeah, man. All right. Till next right. time. Till next time. The second act of Michael and John stars Michael Newborn and John Ballinger. The podcast is produced by Seltzer Kings. For more information on the show, check out michaelandjohn.com. Or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, give the guys a shout on their socials at The Second Act with Michael and John on most platforms. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, yeah.